Welcome to the Changemakers podcast brought to you by Graf Martin Integrated Marketing Solutions for Good. This season, we're focusing on what nonprofit leadership looks like in this next normal. I'm your host, Ellen Graf Martin, and each episode, you'll get to join me in conversation with some of my friends and peers in the Canadian nonprofit space who are changemakers and groundbreakers across Canada and beyond. Let's jump in. Tony Newhoff, welcome to the Changemaker podcast. I am so glad that we get to have this conversation. Oh, I'm excited. And thank you so much for having me. I'm just honored and feel privileged that uh, I could have this conversation with you today. So thank you. And I just to be really honest, I feel like we already started our conversation this morning because I was listening to your podcast as I was getting ready this morning and with Gary Chapman. So I feel like we are jumping right into the middle of a conversation rather than just starting out. So it's going to be a good one today. Oh, yes. And isn't he wonderful? So I good. love listening. Well, I love learning from Gary Chapman. He's taught me and taught us so much. So wise. So wise. So, Tony, I think people often well, they'll hear the name Newhoff and they'll say, I know that name. Where do I know that from? But you are a powerhouse in your own right. Your husband may have a podcast that's everywhere, but you have your own podcast and you're a powerhouse. So tell us about you and the work that you do. Oh, well, um, I, <laughs> I've worked behind the scenes for years and years, Ellen. Um, I originally trained as a pharmacist, and then Carrie and I met in law school. So over the years, I've um, practiced in uh, hospitals, mainly for decades, um, in some leadership roles, um, sort of combined the two areas of training. Um, but more recently in my law career, I practiced as a family lawyer. So uh, I've um, Gained some experience. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But uh, I, I really have a, a passion at this point uh, for helping people who are struggling in their marriage um, to see the next steps and see what lies before them, maybe with eyes wide open. That's how I'd like to describe it. And um, at the same time, as I've uh, just told you a bit about my professional career, um, Carrie and I have been ministry leaders and um, my, my heart beats for the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I love being a follower of Jesus and, uh, and just walking with people in their faith journeys. You have done a lot. This is one of those conversations where I'm like, what have I been doing all my life? You, you've got... <laughs> You're a pharmacist, a lawyer, um, a ministry leader, you know, leading in a large church and now hosting a podcast as well. (laughs) So um, I I really like So and I know we're going to talk more about the podcast, but I just have to say this, that when you described being a family lawyer and then what your podcast is about, I'm wondering if you're working yourself out of a job is what you're doing (laughs) through the podcast, which is a really great thing. Well, I think that that has that transition has been happening. So in uh, 2018, in the summer, I did close my law practice. And at that point started working more closely with Carrie and with his team. And uh, I've uh, just a a week after I made the decision to close the law practice, I I got a book contract with Waterbrook. And it was to write the book um, called Before You Split, uh, which 
which does um, focus on helping people who are struggling in their marriage. So, you know, one thing led to another. So I don't want to give people the false impression that I'm doing all these things. You know, I had my days where I was practicing pharmacy and law, but I'm, I'm not currently practicing family law, um, but I am working as a mediator. I'm in the final stages of my um, mediation internship. So uh, I still do help couples who are struggling with uh, figuring out what their next steps are. Mm-hmm. So tell us about why this is important right now. <laughs> I mean, we're recording this in 2020, which is unprecedented. And um, I mean, I was listening to the the Gary Chapman podcast, as I said this morning, which everyone should go and listen to. It's so good. But um, like, why? I, I see that God has positioned you really uniquely for this season. So maybe tell us a bit more like that, about that. I think I'm seeing what you're seeing and what many people are seeing, Alan, uh, that there's, um, I, I think having this time of lockdown has amplified circumstances to people one way or the other. So if your marriage was already on solid ground, then maybe this time has been actually a time of blessing, you know, a time where your marriage has felt more enriched. Um, But I think for many people, you know, the uncertainty and um, just the, the the abrupt change in our lifestyles, like, let's face it, you know, we were able to, um, to go out and be involved in all of our activities. And, you know, we're as a culture, pretty busy people. And all of a sudden, you know, we're, we find ourselves locked down with each other with, with just a a few people, or maybe just with each other, if you're married and the abrupt change, um, if, if things were already a little bit shaky, but you know, you're able to coast along because you've got enough external distractions, well, then quarantine would, would amplify what was already happening. And, and so, you know, at this point in time, uh, I would really want for people to be able to um, maybe get underneath the surface conflict. You know, if there's if there's conflict, if there's hard feelings, um, sometimes what's going on at the surface isn't uh, isn't what you want. Mm-hmm. And it isn't the way it needs to be. So, uh, you know, for couples who find themselves after quarantine feeling like they're in the messy middle of their marriage, uh, you know, I really want to bring a message of hope because I've been there before myself. And, mm-hmm. you know, I know that the, it's possible that there can be better days ahead. Mm-hmm. And I guess maybe speak about that. If you've you've been there before, so what are some of the pitfalls, especially when we are leaders and leaders of leaders? Um, it's hard to be vulnerable about saying that it's hard. <laughs> so maybe help us identify some of those hard situations and the pitfalls, because we may not even identify them for ourselves. This might be our normal, and we don't know that it's not a healthy normal. So um, I, I think one one pitfall is, uh, you know, getting stuck in negativity. Uh, you know, when you're in close quarters, it's it's really easy for, for us to focus on things that, you know, maybe are annoying in the moment. Mm-hmm. Like I, I remember m- my friends saying, uh, my wife really, really, really is bothered by chewing. Like this is what we've learned during quarantine. She can't stand that I chew too loud. She can hear me from the other room. I love it. <laughs> and 
you know, there's um, there's different ways that we can get on each other's nerves when we're in close quarters. Um, but, you know, maybe it's a challenge to find greater grace. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe it's a, a challenge for us to um, take our eyes off ourselves and, and, you know, look at our partner and the impact we have. And, um, and also, you know, to be able to focus in on the good, because mm-hmm. what we what you focus on expands. So um, the research says uh, that with married couples, um, couples that tend to be successful in their marriage are, are ones that focus their communication on the positives mm-hmm. and, may, and may hit a, a ratio like five to one, five mm-hmm. positive forms of communication, whether they're whether they're physical, whether it's body language, spoken language, affirmations, flirting, you know, whatever, five positives to every negative. And I think if, you know, when we're under stress, uh, I think that sometimes goes out the window. I know it certainly has in our marriage before. We we got stuck in a very negative place when we were struggling. So uh, yeah, I would say, you know, being very intentional about uh, the, the tone of your conversation mm-hmm. and what you're communicating to each other is uh, is really important. Um, I would say pitfall number two is uh, is along the lines of blame, mm-hmm. and it's easy. I think it's a human tendency for us to look at something's wrong and to to have an instinctive desire to avoid pain, like to avoid the pain of self-reflection, um, to avoid the pain of owning something. And, uh, you know, it, it, I, I think every person I sat across the table from in my law practice had reasons that they could point to that they were in a sense being victimized by their spouse. And they, it wouldn't be in that language, but that was the essence of it. And, and I know that I had a victim mindset when we were going through our struggles and the problem with, with viewing myself as the victim and my and Carrie as being to blame uh, is a problem because it it prevents me from seeing my part clearly. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, in that podcast you referred to, Gary Chapman mm-hmm. uh, said that he he had someone come up to him after after he'd talked about you know owning your part, and she she said, "Well, you 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 really don't understand. My husband really is to blame." <laughs> And, and I think everyone who's struggling almost universally has that reaction. So even just forcing myself to, to stand back and say, what part of this can I own? And if I can really only see 10% of the problem that I can own myself, well, own the 10%, like mm-hmm. start there. Mm-hmm. you know, and, and be real about it and even have the courage to step forward and, and apologize and, you know, try to figure out if I can't do it on my own, definitely reach out and talk to somebody, but figure out what step can I take to bring about change so that I'm owning my part and at least doing something to mm-hmm. make this situation, mm-hmm. make our relationship mm-hmm. better. That's gold so, right there. That's gold. <laughs> So that's so good. Uh, and let's see, number three, um, what's a, a pitfall? I would say the other one I would like to highlight right now is just um, disconnection. You know, I've done um, I've done 
surveys on a couple of occasions before I've spoken to a crowd about marriage. And what I what I get back in results from those surveys is that um, people are feeling sort of ho-hum about their marriage. And it's because they've got this underlying feeling of disconnection. And being emotionally disconnected um, is something that you can live with in a marriage, especially if you're distracted. If you've got a lot of busyness, if you're both going in different directions and and you really only need to sort of play nice when you land in the sandbox together Mm -hmm. for a while, but then you're off doing other things, you can live that way and not really um, have to face it. But once you're in quarantine or lockdown, uh, you know, the, the problem of, of being emotionally disconnected shows up in different ways. You know, it shows mm-hmm. up in irritation. It shows up in the, the tone. And mm. um, yeah, it shows up as just feeling like you don't have enough love in your life, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, one of the things I've, I've learned uh, and learned the hard way, let me tell you, um, is that there's a price to be paid if you if you skip over your partner's emotion, oh. we are designed to be connected. You know, we're designed to be whole, mm-hmm. physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally. And um, when your partner is venting and you either sort of ignore it and move on or tell them that they shouldn't feel that way or, you know, start to object or even start to say, well, you realize that it's your fault that you feel this way. Like, because Mm -hmm. you have some insight that they're not really accepting. That's so helpful. (laughs) (laughs) Or if you jump over the emotion and straight into problem solving, which is definitely a personal pitfall for Mm me, Mm -hmm. um, that's a problem because your partner doesn't really feel heard. They don't feel um, that, yeah, it's it's just, it it leaves uh, your bond, the bond between you. feeling weaker Uh and, you know, not getting that feeling that you are a team and that you Uh have each other's backs, you know, that, that kind of closeness only comes when you can actually just sit with your partner's emotions and let them have those emotions. Uh If they're angry, let them be angry. And I mean, I'm not saying that you don't draw boundaries. I mean, there's one thing to feel an emotion. It's another thing to act out on it. Mm -hmm. So if people are acting out anger in inappropriate ways, you know, that has to stop. But to feel anger is authentic. And so, or or to feel fearful or to feel frustrated about what went down at work and what wasn't right. So just being able to, um, to, to sit with your partner's emotion and even be able to reflect it back to them so that once they've maybe vented over something, you can say, Oh yeah, I, I totally get why you're feeling that way. Like mm-hmm. that's a bummer. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. It sucks that Bob did that to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, just, just validate how they're feeling. Yeah. I think being able to, uh, to, absorb and not necessarily absorb into me, but just being able to reflect back how my partner's feeling and sitting with it um, will really help develop a more authentic connection. This is, this is so good because I know when people are listening to this, it, the reality is we're going back 
as tired leaders who are leading organizations, leading in our families, leading, you know, when you're a leader, I, I, you, I'm sure you know this, when you're a leader, you lead wherever you are, um, just because that's how you're wired. And yet we are still tired. And so we are tired people leading tired people and in tired marriages, you know, uh, and tired homes. And so I guess these are, I, there's a humility in saying, okay, we all need to remember remember these things in this stage. Is there, like, how do we refresh in our marriage when we can't get away? There's no one to babysit the kids. <laughs> um, we have no idea if school is going to be open or closed or open for a while and closed again. So how do we, how do we refresh ourselves enough to be able to listen and not cast? Because I find when I'm tired and kind of burned out, I the closest person to blame is my husband. And so that poor man, it doesn't matter what he does, he's going to get blamed. And so I just know that about myself. He'll be listening to this and saying, yes. But, I mean, that's the reality. And so I, I hear that number two. That's why I say that's gold. I need to hear that. Um, mm. But how do we refresh ourselves right now as leaders in this season? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, we might not know, but... Yeah, no, the, the, that whole uh, idea of being tired, not just the, the idea, but the experience, you know, I, I think one of, one of our, and I'm speaking about Carrie and I, one of our learnings in this lockdown period was that uh, we, even though we really, really do our best not to overpack our schedules, uh, you know, it still creeps in. It just, I don't know. It's just like trying to keep water out of a leaky basement. It just seeps yeah. in, <laughs> seeps in through the cracks. And so even, um, I, I would say, you know, we, uh, it, it, the, the need for, for margin was impressed on my heart even more, um, deeply during this mm. period of lockdown. Like it's, just so vital um, for me to not only have the margin in the morning for the time where I I connect with God and you know really focus and um, and praise and listen and all that good stuff, um, but even um, allowing some of that margin to flow more fully into my day. Um, you know, I think one of the I think there's there there's the pressure of the way we organize our schedules, you know, and, and how we set our boundaries. And there's also the, the sort of internally driven pressure, you know, and I, and I am, I would say I'm guilty of that internally driven pressure. Um, I, a couple of years ago, uh, I was really trying to be self-reflective and I, I, I came up with, um, and I, I do believe that God led me to this. This was wisdom that uh, um, that Jesus showed me. That I tend to construct chaos. Like mm-hmm. I can construct my own chaos with my schedule mm-hmm. and plan, you know, twenty things into my day when it's really only realistic for me to to accomplish ten of them, you know. And I can mm-hmm. have my major three things that I'm that I'm going to try to accomplish, Mm -hmm. but just overpacking my schedule and overloading myself with expectations. So counterproductive. And it's so not how Jesus wants us to live our lives. Mm -hmm. Like he gives us the the gift of, um, of peace. You know, uh, this, this, 
focus on peace is something that became so clear to me during lockdown. And um, there's a scripture that uh, came, just came into focus uh, that is from Psalm 85. And it says, uh, I will listen to what God the Lord says. He promises peace to his people, his faithful servants, but let them not turn to folly. For surely his salvation is near those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. And just the the whole concept that God promises peace for us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in faithfulness, we've, we follow him and we're not going to get it perfect, but his promise is peace. But it, but the warning is, but let them not turn to folly. And there's so many ways that I turn to folly when I get stuck in anxiety, when I have unrealistic expectations, you know, when I overload my schedule, when I don't have the right boundaries in place. Um, really, it is my choice, you know, because mm-hmm. I know that I, uh, there are ways, like my mind knows, I know there are ways mm-hmm. that I can set myself up to live in peace. And sometimes I, I just don't do it, you know, and mm-hmm. when I, when I, don't set when I don't just set my intention on listening to Jesus and being really focused about what I say yes to what I say no to um, then then it's a way of choosing folly and it's not what Jesus wants for us you know he wants us to um, you know to to live out our days with energy you know with joy with curiosity and, um, you know, being able to dig into the work he gives us, like work is a privilege. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, we, we get the, the opportunity to, you know, to serve others. And uh, it's wonderful. But he also gives us the promise of peace and the promise of rest. And if we don't choose to rest, then it's a, a foolish choice. Mm-hmm. I have to keep reminding myself of that. But when we choose peace, then he, the, the rest of this is that, you know, we, we can live out our lives so that his salvation is near. And actually then his glory dwells in our land. We get a little more glory in our days when we choose peace. Mm-hmm. That is so good. <laughs> so one of the, I was going to ask, Okay, what are some of the common follies that you see? I think, part, but we go back to number the, the three things is blaming other people, not connecting, um, and 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 I think also not resting. Um, but what are some of the other common? If you were to say to, to leaders today, what should you leave behind? Especially say, speak to me. <laughs> I'll take this as personal because I know, uh, honestly, this happened to us just a few weeks ago because our daughter takes horseback riding lessons, which she loves and are so good for her. Um, and now people may hate me for this, but one of the things that I have chosen is to have someone come in and clean my home because I'm like, I can outsource that. But um, mm-hmm. she needs to be driven back and forth. I had horseback riding that day. We were working. Um, I, I had to do a whole bunch of things for work. And I actually said to Dan, I miss lockdown. Like I miss, I actually, I think my words were, I miss when we couldn't do anything. Um, because it was just like, our life was a little bit more contained. There were, there were boundaries around our life that made it breathable, if that makes sense. Yes. 
So maybe you could help us understand some of those boundaries because horseback riding is a good thing. Having someone clean my house is an amazing thing. Um, like it sounds so bad to complain about that, but it can feel overwhelming too, especially when I've got other big responsibility on my plate. Yes. Yeah. You know, I've really been grappling over that question of what do we do with our calendars? Like, what do we do with activities? Right right now, I'm not at the stage anymore where I need to make those decisions, Ellen. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, my, my heart's there with you because we certainly did. You know, while our kids were growing up, we had all the things, the music lessons, the hockey, uh, you know, soccer and the list went on and on. Mm-hmm. Um, part of me wonders whether there's a way that um, collectively as parents and as people who make decisions over um, how sports are set up, you know, how, what are the expectations for horseback riding lessons and, mm-hmm. and dance lessons? Does it need to be scaled from three times a week to two times a week? You know, does there need to be an adjustment so that families can live meaningful lives? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, you know, one thing that I think has become more and more clear to me is that Uh, I I want my life to be focused on meaningful things. So I want my relationships to be richer. And I don't want to sacrifice the quality of my relationship for, for example, an activity that I I can outsource, you know, when Mm -hmm. you made the decision to have somebody come in and clean your house. You know, I think there are many times where we make financially driven decisions that don't make sense in the Mm -hmm. context of our relationships and our work. Mm-hmm. And it's far more important to have to have that time that translates into the quality. If you're being present, if you're present when you're with people, then mm-hmm. uh, then I'm assuming that that it is enriching the quality of that relationship. So if you're present, not on your phone, then um, you're far your better phone. off. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. That, is that in key. there. Yes, yes. <laughs> You're, you're far better off to pay someone to do what you otherwise might be doing, you know, to save money. You might have a little bit more money in your bank account, but is it really a focused part of your calling to, um, to do your own oil change or, you know, to bake the pie that you could pick up? I mean, it, it, this is going to be such an individual question because Uh for some people, um, baking the pie is the thing. Uh It's their gift. Uh It's their joy. It's a way of serving people. And it's amazing. Um, but for other people, um, it, you know, that's not the case. And Uh so, um, you know, I, I've come to see, um, paying people to do some things that free me up to do the, what I feel God's calling me to do as a a win-win. It actually provides income and I want us all to be abundant. I want us all Uh to experience abundance. If I can be a part of providing in some way for someone else, while I'm freed up to do something I'm called to do, that is a gift. Uh Uh So, you know, I want to see my life as being abundant with meaning, abundant Uh with serving, Uh uh, abundant in the community that I'm a part of. Uh Um, And I fully believe that God is um, 
God is generous. Mm -hmm. He provides the resources we need to live on. Um, but my focus really is in what um, is my role in serving Jesus today and being part of mm -hmm. being his hands and feet. Mm -hmm. And I think it is, I mean, it, it is a discipline especially for leaders, to outsource. <laughs> um, sometimes we say delegate, um, but actually what I have, because delegate doesn't, it, it, it's hard for me to grasp the idea of delegation because that feels like I'm, I still have to direct, I still have a job to do in delegating. Whereas outsourcing to me feels more freeing. Like, so what, I was challenged, what parts of your life can you outsource that you don't have to do um, so that you can do what serves others better? <laughs> so I, you know, and I, I think that actually is my lesson continually is what can I outsource and what should I never outsource because only I can do it. So that relationship with my husband or with my mom or with my child or, you know, with my friends, I can't outsource me. So yeah. Yes. Yeah. So good. So is there anything specifically, I've, I've mentioned this concept um, in a couple podcasts now of 52 pickup. So it's like COVID threw all the cards in the air dropped them on the ground but we get to decide if we pick up all 52 of what our life looked like before or we get to pick up which ones we leave behind um and which ones we pick up and carry forward is there anything that you're saying i am leaving that behind it was okay for the pandemic to affect that part of my life yes i think the number one thing i would leave behind is uh we were on the road quite a lot, Carrie more so than me. Um, but I still was, if I wasn't on the road with him, I would still, uh, you know, wake up at three 30 for the run to the airport or, mm. you know, their uh, evenings cut short because we got to do laundry to pack up the suitcase again. You know, there were, uh, there, these were, it was, it's a blessing um, to be able to travel and serve and, and so on. But we have, uh, really been on it. Well, we've been at home for four months mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. or possibly long, possibly longer at this point. So I think at this point I would leave behind, uh, some of that, uh, travel and mm -hmm. be more home-based, mm -hmm. uh, and probably focus in, uh, more so on how I can serve others from here. And it, there's a, there's an efficiency, that you realize by staying in one place, mm -hmm. uh, when you cut out the travel time and, um, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I'm, and I don't want to sound like I'm not grateful for the opportunity to, to, to you know, to travel to home base for someone mm -hmm. else and, mm -hmm. you know, see what it's like and experience, um, their reality. I've, value that so much. Um, but I'm, I'm also seeing that, uh, with us, with our schedule being less harried and hectic, um, there's a different level of focus, mm -hmm. uh, that, uh, that, that comes along and mm -hmm. also, Hey, you know, I also really believe in serving close to home. How mm -hmm. can I serve my neighbors? Mm -hmm. You know, how can I get to know my neighbors better in this season? Mm -hmm. And, 
and I, I don't know what your experience has been, Alan, but uh, but ours has been that we have actually um, grown closer to our neighbors in this period, and bit by bit, we we want to carry that on. Um, mm-hmm. But you 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 can't have that connection mm-hmm. with your neighbors if you're actually not there, or if you're yeah. on the road in transit, it's yep. just not the same. Yeah, and we feel the same way about our our small group as well. That uh, we really want to be present for the people we're sharing our lives mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. It's so good. You know, we have noticed that we just have seen people that we didn't even know lived in our neighborhood, and we've always been pretty involved. But we looked around and we're like, we have never seen those people before. So um, that's been a really that's been a blessing. It really has. It really has. So anything you've picked up that you're like, yeah, I love this new habit <laughs> that you've built and want to take forward? So at the, at the beginning of lockdown, I had uh, um, just a real struggle with anxiety, even though I was conscious of it, you know, and I, and I'll say struggle because I, I could see it, but also was trying to resist it. And, um, and it actually, you know, is one of those um, forms of anxiety that even seemed uh, like it was a bit beyond my control. You know, sometimes you're, if you're anxious, your body plays tricks on you. Well, I, I felt like I had something stuck in my throat. Like literally, I felt like I couldn't swallow this thing, whatever it was out of my throat. And that went on for probably five weeks to the point where I had an x-ray and, uh, and, and it turned out that really the root was anxiety. Mm. And, um, I, I think I, I want to, um, take the lesson that that taught me, you know, it, that led me to, to really pray more and lean more into the peace that Jesus provides, mm-hmm. you know, which has led me also to take a good hard look at how I was um, striving with almost every part of my day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not meaning to live that way. But uh, I, I found myself at one point, I was I was cooking dinner. And I've, I do enjoy cooking, I enjoy putting flavors together and cooking with herbs. And so anyway, I was making this, um, this sauce and, and I had the thought in the middle of it that, I was kind of white knuckling the cooking because I wanted to get it all done five minutes ago and I was all stressed out. And I thought, this is crazy. I have the beautiful gift of food from our Lord. I have the ability to, you know, put the flavors together and enjoy it. And I'm not enjoying it at all. I am striving over this, you know, what, what could other otherwise be a source of blessing. I just found the same thing was happening in my, um, exercise. You know, I, I like to uh, try to be whole, like spiritually, emotionally, keep up connections, also physically, you know, try to exercise. But I've, um, I found that my exercise was had become another form of stress, uh-huh. that, you know, I was out outside in a beautiful place hiking, but I was still striving over, I got to get this run done. And how quickly am I walking? You know, what's my pace yes. now? Yeah. And, and I, I thought, this is crazy. It's crazy. I don't want to live in striving. Yeah. I need to lean into Jesus and let these, um, let what he would teach me really just 
flow into every part of my day and all of my activities. Yeah. And, and part of that was, um, I read uh, Rebecca Lyons' Rhythms of Renewal. Um, she has uh, a wealth of wisdom in that book about hmm. letting go of a high stress lifestyle and just um, cooperating with uh, the, the peace and rest that Jesus hmm. offers us as a gift. I need to read that book. So we'll make sure to put it in the show notes because um, I need to read that book too. Are you a nonprofit leader passionate about your organization's mission, but unsure how to communicate it effectively? Do you wish your communications budget went further, that your development and communications teams worked better together, or that you had a stronger plan to find new supporters? At Graf Martin Integrated Marketing Solutions for Good, we get it. With you in mind, we've custom built solutions for nonprofit organizations to make your message have more impact, reach further and connect with the right people for years to come. Schedule your free consultation by emailing solutions at grafmartin.com. Again, that's solutions at grafmartin.com. You are, you are speaking to me, Tony. I keep thinking, I need to spend more time with Tony. Um, you are because, and I think some of us are more wired to strive. And the last number of months has been a frustrating time to strive. Um, so if you're a striver and you're stressed and you're tired, speaking to myself, I'm preaching to the choir here. Um, that might be why. And so that is something to really listen and pay attention to. Thank you for sharing that with me. I needed that. So, okay, you do. You mentioned at the beginning your podcast. Tell us a little bit about the podcast. Um, why uh, you kind of alluded to why you started it? Who who it's with? All of those sorts of things. Yes. Uh, you know, Ellen. As I um, sat across the table from people who were. Um, going through the very difficult journey of um, separation and divorce. I, I, I just, I heard stories. Um, I realized that people in their marriages, um, families uh, were living with all these um, burdens and, um, you know, whether it was marriage struggles or um, different serious problems with parenting, uh, I, I just felt that um, my heart went out to people who were, were struggling with these issues and it would come out as part of our conversation um, that uh, they were, the, the burdens were almost overwhelming. I mean, they've, they had uh, hardly any time, hardly enough time to, um, to search out solutions for these problems um, while they were trying to work, you know, trying to move homes and um, parent their kids and work out finances. And, you know, the burden can become overwhelming. So uh, I, I was motivated to, to just try to offer something that would be easily digestible, um, that would be pre-curated, uh, that would help people who are struggling with burdens to um, hear messages that just may be able to help, oh. just offer some help. In some cases, sort of like, you know, throwing out a lifeline. And um, my friend Rob Meter is a pediatrician. Uh, we've known each other many, many years. Uh, he also sits across the table from parents who are um, struggling uh, because, you know, whenever your kids are, are sick, 
uh, your parent, you, you as a parent feel it and you struggle as well. So uh, he, he was also um, hearing, you know, story after story after story from um, parents who were deeply struggling. And so um, as the two of us had a conversation, we realized that, that both of us had this aspiration to, you know, to try to offer wisdom for, um, for marriages, for parents. Uh, and we just decided to take on that project together. So we call it the Smart Family Podcast. Uh, we, um, our, our goal and our aim is to um, make this, make the wisdom of um, experts, you know, people who are working in the field, who have a, a deep understanding of whatever the topic is, uh, and to have a conversation that will just, um, just help lift families, help lift oh. marriages. Oh, it's so good. And it's so needed. <laughs> it really, really is. So if there were a few episodes that you would say someone should listen to, which ones would you say, okay, you're a leader, you're trying to negotiate this, especially post-crisis season. Are there a few that you're like, go listen to this now, download it and listen to it? Oh, uh, that's almost like choosing between my children. <laughs> I, I can start by saying, go and download the Gary Chapman episode. Mm-hmm. That is so, so good. So good. Yes. And um, for marriages, absolutely. I would say, um, listen to Gary Chapman. It really depends on on what the what the issue is. I mean, we've gone through several, several of them at this point. Um, we've, uh, uh, we've got an episode aimed for parents who are struggling with conflict, maybe struggling with the tone of conflict in their home, Mm -hmm. uh, or there may be some people listening in who have taken steps toward being separated or going through a divorce. And so um, Lisa M. Weiss' episode um, talks about how to have healthier conflict. Mm -hmm. Um, There's uh, a few different episodes that um, deal with anxiety. And I know that this has been a difficult time um, for for kids, mm-hmm. you know, kids who are normally able to spend more time with their friends. And, um, you know, maybe now there's there's some greater connection because we're in summer and we can mm-hmm. be socially distanced outside. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, some of the reconnections are happening. Um, but uh, Sissy Goff uh, has an episode on how to help um, girls in particular with anxiety. And I think what she talks about is relatable for, um, for boys as well, but, mm-hmm. uh, I know her practice mm-hmm. focuses on, on girls and, um, Kara Powell talks about how to help your anxious teenager. Uh, so those are a few, um, a few episodes I would note. Um, I think there's a great need for collaboration between parents and kids, and by, by collaboration, I just mean, um, hey, as a parent, I feel like I can always become a better listener. And uh, Dr. Ross Green talks about that topic in one of our first episodes. It would be one or two. We love so, Dr. Green. Um, we love him. He's wonderful. His book, The Explosive Child, is one of the most the biggest gifts to us in our homes. So so good. So good. Yes. Oh, so much, so much gold there. <laughs> so I think, and I, and I do, I, I know that families are, are 
they are stressed. And we did an episode last season with Drew Marshall and Bev Marshall, who are good friends of ours, and about divorce and yeah. leadership and ministry and how often um, we don't know that our friends are really, their marriage is really almost done until they tell us it's done. And we wish we could have done more before it started. And that was a great episode, but I guess that would be one of the other things in a time. I mean, we need to connect with our spouse and our children, but we need to connect with others as well, meaningfully. And so um, how do we do that? <laughs> how do we be honest and vulnerable and transparent when no one can see us because we're all at home is one of those questions um, that I think, is there any episode about that that we should all listen to as well? Or is there anything, any wisdom you want to share around that area? Yeah, that's actually a, a great question for um, the Smart Family Podcast. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to latch on to that <laughs> idea and pursue it because uh, one of the common problems that um, was a, a theme throughout my practice um, was isolation. And uh, I often found that where, um, where one of the couple was uh, struggling with making wise decisions, uh, sometimes the story, the backstory was that they were isolated and they, they just, mm. they didn't have the support of, you know, someone wise mm -hmm. who could help guide them through that very emotional and mm -hmm. very difficult time of grieving. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's too much for one person to bear on mm -hmm. their own. Mm -hmm. And being in a season of deep struggle in a marriage is also too much for a couple to bear on their own in isolation. Uh, I think it's, um, we're not designed to be mm -hmm. isolated. And yet I think it is one of the ways um, the enemy tends to divide and conquer mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. I always say this, nothing good happens in isolation. It's just, a, it can be a, a, a playground for mm -hmm. messages mm -hmm. of the enemy um, to bring mm -hmm. us down, keep mm -hmm. us locked away. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I would. And as somebody who has uh, struggled with isolation before in my past, I mean, I'm an Enneagram five. Um, it is very, very yes. easy for me to be private. Um, easy, easy for me to um, withdraw into my own world and, you know, get stuck in my own head. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So, you know, I think the, the message for that I would have for any couple struggling is that your spouse cannot bear the weight of being your only friend or your only mm. confidant or even your only contact, mm -hmm. um, that neither of you can bear that weight. You need to have, uh, someone else, at least one other person that you are completely real and authentic with mm -hmm. that you can share, what you really think, um, be honest. And uh, I definitely am not in the camp where, you know, if you are struggling, you reach out on social media. I think that you, you don't want to uh -huh. try to meet the need for authentic connection through a venue that just isn't suitable. Uh -huh. um, but, uh -huh. you know, if to anyone who finds themselves isolated, I would say, to to be to to have a friend, you need to be a friend. Um, that reaching out and 
working on strengthening a connection that you already have underway maybe Mm -hmm. has slipped off a little bit but you could rebuild into it uh or if if there is no one literally no one around you that you feel comfortable talking to then it is definitely time to reach out for real Mm -hmm. help and um talk to a counselor uh try to get underneath the reasons um for your isolation but don't stay there no, so good. And now, uh, okay, we could talk for hours, but <laughs> to just wrap up a little bit, you mentioned just briefly your book with Waterbrook. So congratulations on the book contract. Um, and now the book, when does it tell us about when it releases and what it's about? How do we find it? Uh, I'm excited that it's releasing on October 6th this year. Yay. And um Well, my hope and prayer is that it does help uh, struggling couples to to really see with their eyes wide open what their options are. Uh, I talk about um, three options, split, survive, or save. I think when people are thinking about what to do with their marriage, they think there's two options, you know, to do I stay or do I go? Mm -hmm. Um, But but really, there's there's also the... um, uh, that middle option of surviving um, that may be useful if it's a temporary, uh, you know, if you're surviving in your marriage, you may survive for a while so that you can plant mm-hmm. seeds. And if you, you know, if you don't like the harvest that you're reaping right now in your marriage, then maybe it's time to plant better seed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, mm-hmm. surviving can be a useful phase, um, but I would say it needs to be a temporary phase. Mm-hmm. You don't want to go through your life surviving in mm-hmm. your marriage. So, mm-hmm. um, so I go through the options in this book and I've, and I, I talk about, uh, I'm very real. <laughs> so Good. I talk about the struggles that Carrie and I have gone through. Um, we had a, I would say, an epic years-long uh, struggle, deep struggle in our marriage. And um, by the grace of God, literally, um, Jesus was the strand that held us together. And uh, through a lot of prayer and reflection and learning from authors and counselors, and we did individual and marriage counseling, um, we uh, have found ourselves in a relationship that is, uh, literally thriving. Like we, uh, it's a marriage I'd never want to leave, but there was a time when I couldn't say that Ellen. Mm. So, uh, I'm both wanting to help people explore the options, help, help people understand if their parents, what the impact of conflict is on their kids, um, help people to maybe get a window into how is my past impacting my present? Mm -hmm. How are my expectations impacting my marriage? What about being more emotionally present? You know, how are my peacemaking skills really? Mm -hmm. Uh, what can I do with forgiveness? What, what, how can I build a practice of forgiveness in my marriage? And uh, is it time for me to be the leader? You know, do I, um, am I stuck in the place where I don't trust my, my spouse enough to take the first step? So I ask some challenging questions, but it comes from a place of honesty. I'm very honest about the struggles we went through. And I share some insights I gained uh, in working um, in the field that I worked in in family law. So I'm, uh, my hope and prayer is that it will help struggling couples to 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 be honest with themselves and each other and if it's possible to uh to take the next step 
toward giving their marriage a second try, then I am the cheerleader. So good. (laughs) And what is the title again? It's called Before You Split. All right. So before you find what you really want for the future of your marriage. Oh, so good. And I know you'll be able to buy it wherever you love to buy books, Christian bookstores, Amazon, wherever you buy books, um, it will be available. Great publisher, Waterbrook. Tony, is there anything else that you haven't shared that you think our listeners need to hear today? I would like to say a word to the couple that is really struggling um, because I uh, I understand what how overwhelming that phase can be, um, and Psalm 126 uh, verse six says, um, "Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, um, mm-hmm. carrying sheaves with them, like sheaves of wheat, a symbol of abundance." And uh, I know that in the in the dark days of our marriage, um, Carrie and I needed to do some things that felt very hard to do. And if you can imagine, if you're, you know, heading out to to sow a field is hard work, but even harder if you're weeping along the mm-hmm. way. And you know, when you're in a tough season of marriage, I think weeping is a is a, a fitting symbol. And um, even though you may need to sort of demonstrate love to your spouse while you don't feel internally like doing it. If you're planting a seed of love, um, it's okay to do that. You don't have to worry about the idea of, you know, is it fake or is it not fake? Um, it's, it's not fake. If your intention is to go and plant a seed of love and you're willing to take the steps and do it, then, um, you're planting a seed for a better harvest. Mm. And God promises that when we um, plant those seeds, regardless of how we're feeling, you know, and we engage the struggle, um, he gives us a promise and the promise is returning with songs of joy. Mm. And, you know, it, it was actually a, a long, slow journey in the same direction for Carrie and I to come back from the dark place we had reached in our marriage. But it was so very worthwhile. I can't even put it into words, but I can say that the promise for joy is real. And uh, I, my hope and prayer is that um, if you're in that place, that you will just reflect on that and try planting some different seeds and just lean into Jesus. Jesus doesn't let us go. Um, He has your back. Oh, Tony, so, so good. So good. (laughs) I could keep talking about this now. Okay. Where can people find you online? Tell us where do they find the podcast and how do they connect with you? Uh, at this point in time, the best place is the Smart Family Podcast. Um, we do have a form there, so anyone who wants to email me can reach me through uh, through that website. The, um, the the book publishing like launch date was actually moved up, so I don't even have my website up yet, but it's coming soon. So TonyNewhoff.com will be, will be up soon. Uh, at this point, you could reach me through Carrie's platform. So even though the, la- the spelling of our last name is a bit ridiculous, if you type in lead like never before in the uh, in your search engine, you will pull up Carrie's website and there is a speakers page with the connection for me. So um, th- through one of those, 
those ways, or I'm Tony Newhoff on Instagram and uh, Tony Carsicus Newhoff through Facebook. That's a mouthful. <laughs> I would use Instagram. <laughs> So good. And I know I listen to the podcast on Spotify. I know it's on Apple Pod. It's everywhere you would listen to a podcast. So yes. Um, and we're, we have a website. So uh, I invite people to uh, to connect with me. I'd love to hear from from you. If you want to connect with me, please do. Awesome. Tony, thank you again. I'm so glad we got to have this conversation. And I look forward to continuing the conversation in other ways. <laughs> Thank you. It's been my pleasure, Ellen. Thanks for the conversation. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Changemakers podcast brought to you by Graf Martin Integrated Marketing Solutions for Good. Graf Martin is Canada's leading integrated marketing and communications agency for nonprofit organizations seeking to do more good. If you need an agile, full service marketing agency to move your organization forward, we get it. Visit grafmartin.com to learn more and schedule your free consultation so that you can do more good.